Thank you. Thank you very much. Such an honor to be here today to be able to share God's word with you. I, I consider it the greatest honor that God could give me is to share his word with his church. And so I count it as a privilege to be able to do that today. Also count it as an honor to have so many guests here this morning that have made time in your busy schedule to come and be a part of this this morning. Uh, many of you here in person, some others that are joining us online, want to say hi to my daughter, Mercy. And then also to my son, Will and Allie. John, if I didn't forget you, <laughs> my grandchildren. I'm also grateful for my family members that are here today and Sandra's family members that are here today. If you're a member of Mine Saunders families, would you stand up right now if you would, if you're here, wherever you're seated, and uh, let's welcome them. So many friends that are here, and I can't start calling your names or I'd leave somebody out, and I don't want to do that, but I'm so grateful for each and every one of you that's chosen to be here today. You know, I've loved being a senior pastor. I've loved it. You know, the reason I've loved it is because God called me to be a senior pastor. He first called me to preach. That happened when I was 17. And I was in seminary preparing a message, and it was during that message preparation out of 1 Peter chapter 3 and verse 7 that I knew he had called me to pastor. And so he called me to do this. And you know what I know about him is that whatever he calls you to do, he gives you the grace to do. And grace is not just unmerited favor. It includes the desire and power to do his will. And so he has placed that within me. It's a divine love for being a senior pastor. It's unexplainable. But he's given it to me, and I'm so grateful that he's done that. I, I love teaching the Bible. I love it. I can't tell you how much I just love teaching the Bible. Uh, I'm like a chef who loves his work of preparing a meal. I, I absolutely love the hours and hours of preparation. I don't, it's not something I all know. I've got to, oh, it's I get to prepare. I get to get in the Word of God. I get to study it. I love the hours of preparation, and I love the hour of presentation. In fact, I love the hour of presentation much more than some of our members love it. <laughs> I love caring for the, the, the church. I love caring for the flock of God. I mean, I love it. I mean, it's... Yeah, it's hard when you get calls at all hours of the day and night when people need help. But I just love that. I love it. And uh, I, love, I love being there for our people for their celebrations. And I love being there for our people uh, during their tribulations. I love being with them. I love that. I really love coordinating ministry. 
I really enjoy that. Coordinating ministry, whether big or small. I love helping people coordinate the ministry. Uh, God, when he gives you an ability to lead, he gives you uh, a, an ability to recognize details that need to be done when you're coordinating something. And that's, I love it for that reason that he's given me that attention. For example, guys, could you turn the banner lights on right now, this morning? Do we have that right there? There we go. Anyone else notice those lights were out when you walked in this morning? You know, I just love coordinating ministry. Uh, I, it really, I can't tell you how much joy that has brought to me. And then I, I love discipling the leaders of ministry and then watching them be successful ministering to others. I mean, I can't tell you how much I loved discipling Dennis Jernigan and then watching him be successful and still watching him be successful. I mean, that just thrills me to death to watch him. I, I can't tell you how much I've loved discipling Greg Werner and watching him serve the church. <laughs> And now discipling his son Brandon and watching him and then others that the Lord has given me the privilege of discipling. I just love discipling the leaders of ministry and then watching them be successful in ministering to others. So I love being a pastor. You know, because of this love, I've hoped that this day would never come. When you have a love for something, you don't want to give it up. I had hoped that I would die before this day would come in the same way that you might hope to die before your spouse dies. It's difficult. It's really difficult giving up something or someone that you love. And I've absolutely loved being a senior pastor. But the Lord has shown me that my work as senior pastor is finished. And it's, it's very difficult. But he's shown me that it's the right time. And I will tell you some of those reasons at the end of this message today that it's just the right time, and I'm at peace about it. I'm at, I have so much peace about it. I guess one of the benefits of retiring from a position and having a retirement party like this one is that you can see a lot of the people that are going to show up at your funeral. <laughs> and so that gives me the opportunity to thank you ahead of time for being here today. If you have your Bible, I'm going to be using the text Haggai chapter 1 and verses 1 through 8. Haggai chapter 1 verses 1 through 8. That will be our text for the day. Here's what the word of the Lord says in Haggai chapter 1 verses 1 through 8. It says, in the second year of King Darius, in the sixth month, on the first day of the month, the word of the Lord came by Haggai, the prophet, to Zerubbabel. He was the governor of Judah, and to Joshua, who was the high priest, saying, Thus speaks the Lord of hosts, saying, This people says the time has not come, the time that the Lord's house should be built. Then the word of the Lord came by Haggai, the prophet, saying, It is time for you yourselves, is it time for you yourselves to dwell in your paneled houses in this temple? lies in ruins now therefore thus says the lord of hosts consider your ways 
You've sown much and bring in little. You eat, but do not have enough. You drink, but you're not filled with drink. You clothe yourselves, but no one is warm. And he who earns wages earns wages to put into a bag with holes. Thus says the Lord of hosts, consider your ways. Go up to the mountains and bring wood and build the temple that I may take pleasure in it and be glorified, says the Lord. Now here's the background to this passage of scripture. Israel had betrayed the covenant that God had made with them. They rejected Jehovah God as their God, and they worshiped the gods of other nations all around them. God was very patient with them. This started at the very beginning of their covenant with Jehovah God, and it continued throughout their whole history. And God was very patient with them. He would discipline them as a father would discipline his children. But in the end... He sent a nation called Babylonia to defeat them in a war to take away their national sovereignty as a nation and to take away their land. And this occurred in 586 B.C. Now, when Babylonia defeated the Israelites, most of the people were exiled to Babylon and other Babylonian cities, and only a small remnant of Jews were left in the land. Jerusalem was the capital city of Israel, and it was the symbol of Israel's ancient power and prosperity. It was where the temple of God, Jehovah God, was located. And the Babylonian soldiers were ordered by their officials to carry away the wealth of the city, to tear down all the walls of the city, and to destroy the temple. And when they destroyed the temple of God, they even removed the foundation stone so that there was no physical evidence left of its existence. And then they were also ordered to burn the homes and buildings of Jerusalem to the ground. The city and much of the land of Israel was left desolate for nearly 70 years with very few people left in the city or in the land to care for it. So can you imagine what happens if you have an F5 tornado that comes through an area and totally levels everything to the ground and then no one rebuilds? Everything is just left as it is, you know. What happens? Well, everything begins to grow up as far as weeds and thistles, and that's what happened to the land of Israel. The land of the water, the, the, the water in the land became polluted, and, and then as a result of being vacated by all the people, wild animals moved in, and they inhabited the land and the city. So Zerubbabel that we read about in that first passage who was commanded to go back and build the temple of the Lord, Zerubbabel, he was a descendant of King David. He was a part of the royal line. In fact, his grandfather was a man by the name of Jehoiakim. Jehoiakim was the king of Israel when the Babylonian exile began. He was a king who was actually taken into exile. Zerubbabel's father was one of the exiles. And Zerubbabel then was born in Babylon. He had never seen the land of Israel before. He had never seen Jerusalem before his first return. In fact, Zerubbabel's name means out of Babylon is what his name means. Well, the Babylonians, after they defeated the Israelites in 586, eventually they were defeated in a war with the Medes and the Persians. And the Persian king eventually became the leader of that great empire, And Zerubbabel, this Jew, found favor with the Persian king. His name was Cyrus. 
And he was given permission by Cyrus to return to Jerusalem as the leader of the group of the Jewish exiles. And he was appointed by Cyrus to be the governor of Judea under the Persians. If I was him, I'd be like, thanks a lot, you know, for giving me authority over this desolated wasteland. But, you know, the Lord had a greater purpose for him. The Lord told him through the prophets Haggai and Zechariah to rebuild his temple. Now, Zerubbabel would have been a younger man when he returned the first time to Israel. And just east of Jerusalem, there's the Mount of Olives. And if you come from the east, you're going to come over the Mount of Olives. And you're going to stand at the top of the Mount of Olives, and you're going to look over the city of Jerusalem and the Temple Mount. And I, I can just imagine in my mind what Zerubbabel must have felt the first time he returned from Babylon. And he stood on the Mount of Olives on the east side of the city of Jerusalem, and he looked down upon Jerusalem, and he looked down upon that Temple Mount. I mean, it was a wasteland. And he was supposed to rebuild the temple. I can just imagine what he must have felt like, how discouraging that must have been. But God used two prophets to encourage him. One was Haggai, who we read this morning, and another was Zechariah, a prophet of God. And those two prophets gave Zerubbabel hope because they gave him three promises about the rebuilding of the temple. They told him that God would help him rebuild the temple by giving him three things. God was going to give him his power. God was going to give him his people. And God was going to give him his plan. And that encouraged the Rubable in this work of rebuilding the temple of God. First of all is power. That promise is found in Zechariah chapter 4 and verse 6. It says, this is the word of the Lord to Zerubbabel, not by might nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord of hosts. Who are you, O great mountain, before Zerubbabel? You shall become a plain, and he shall bring forth the capstone with shouts of grace, grace to it. You see, Zerubbabel needed God's power to rebuild the temple. And the power that he needed was the power of the Spirit in him. God's power through the Spirit is an inner strength to do God's will. It's a supernatural strength to perform the will of God. And that kind of power only comes from the Holy Spirit. Now Zerubbabel being raised in Babylon he still would have known the stories in the Bible about the power of God's Spirit in the history of his nation. He saw in those stories how God's power, God's Spirit, would come upon ordinary people, and when he came upon ordinary people, they could do extraordinary things. Like Abraham and Sarah having a child, even though she was past the age of birthing a child. Now, that's power. Or Moses, when he led the people of Israel out of Egypt, and we know the ten plagues and ten signs that Moses was able to perform, and then all of those signs that were performed when they were in the wilderness, and then Joshua leading the people of Israel, those were all performed by the Holy Spirit's power working through ordinary people. He knew about the judges. He knew about Gideon. He knew about Samson and 
how those guys were incredible leaders when the Spirit of God would come upon them and they would be able to do extraordinary things even though they were ordinary people. He knew about King David and how King David, by the anointing of the Holy Spirit, was able to slay Goliath. And how King David, through his leadership, was able to lead this little nation of Israel to become the most prosperous and powerful nation in the world at that time. He knew about the prophets. Elijah, he knew about the prophets. Elisha. I mean, we have seven recorded miracles that Elijah performed and 14 that Elisha performed. And he saw what God could do through these ordinary men when the Holy Spirit came upon them. And he was believing in this promise that if I yield to the will of the Lord, the Holy Spirit's going to come upon me and give me the power to lead in the rebuilding of the temple. So God promised Zerubbabel that he was going to give him his power. But he also promised him that he was going to give him his people. We read that in Zechariah 6.15. Here's what it says. Even those from afar shall come and build the temple of the Lord. Then you shall know that the Lord of hosts has sent me to you. And this shall come to pass if you diligently obey the voice of the Lord your God. You see, God did not expect Zerubbabel to take upon this incredible task to rebuild the temple all by himself. That would have been impossible. I mean, he needed people. He needed his fellow Jews to join him in the labor. He needed people who believed in him as a leader. He needed people who believed in the vision that God had given him, who were willing to come alongside him and do the work. Well, what happened is the fulfillment of this prophecy. I mean, it is a miracle. Here's what happened. As Jews that were in exile heard about the vision to rebuild the temple, God moved in them to return to Jerusalem to help rebuild the temple. I mean, it was like God whistled which I can't whistle, Greg. Like God whistled, and here they came, you know. And many of them that came had never been there before. They were like Zerubbabel. They had been born in exile. They had established their homes in other places. They'd established their businesses in other cities. And God whistled, and here they came, back to rebuild the temple. Well, God promised Zerubbabel, that he would help him rebuild a temple by giving him his power and his people, but he also promised he would give him his plans. His plans for rebuilding the temple. Well, how would he know his plans? Well, in Haggai chapter 1 and verse 1, a verse that we just read, it says, it says that the word of the Lord came by Haggai the prophet to Zerubbabel, who was the governor of Judah, but it also came to Joshua, who was the high priest. You know who knew the plans, right, to rebuild the temple? It would have been the high priest. The high priest knew the law of God. And in the law of Moses, there's these detailed plans for how the temple should have been built. And so Joshua knew the law of Moses, so God moved through Joshua to give Zerubbabel the plans to rebuild the temple. Now, this wasn't an easy task. It was a difficult task. Rebuilding things that have been ruined are difficult. Amen? Amen? This was a, and this was a difficult task. 
And so it, it didn't happen in one year or two years and three years or anything like that. In 538 B.C., the order was issued allowing exiled Jews to return to Jerusalem and rebuild the temple. The work was completed 23 years later in 515 B.C. And at one point, there was like a 17-year moratorium where no work could be done based upon political leaders who didn't want that temple rebuilt. This work, though, eventually, after 23 years, was completed because God gave Zerubbabel his power, his people, and his plan. Well, here's what we know about the Bible. I love the Bible. It's full of analogies. What we know about the Bible is in the Old Covenant, the Old Testament, the temple was a building, right? It was a building that Zerubbabel was supposed to rebuild. In the New Covenant, the temple is not a building, In the New Covenant, the Apostle Paul called the local church God's temple. He did that in 1 Corinthians 3.16. He said, do you not know, speaking to the whole church at Corinth, in that context of 1 Corinthians 3, do you not know, local church at Corinth, that you are the temple of God and that the Spirit of God dwells in you? (laughs) You have the same power, local church, that Zerubbabel had. To build a church. In the new covenant, the temple of God is a gathering of God's people who are connected by a commitment to build up one another in faith and love. And as we build up one another in faith and love in this local temple of God, we are cooperating with the Holy Spirit to build the church of God in that community. The Apostle Paul said, Every member of the church is a living stone in God's temple. If you think you're excluded, I want you to know you're not if you are a part of the body of Christ. If Christ is in you, Peter said you're a living stone. He said that in 1 Peter 2.5. You also as living stones are being built up into a spiritual house, not a physical temple, a spiritual temple, a holy priesthood to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. You know what this means? That means if you are a living stone in this temple, this spiritual temple called the local church, you have a significant role to play in building it. And, whew, I I don't know, that just fires me up to think about it. (laughs) I'm so excited by the Word of God. It sets, I got just excited when I was preparing this the other day in my office. You know, early in the morning, and wow, that is incredible. Every one of you, everyone, not just Pastor Jerry, not just Pastor Brandon, not just Pastor Seth, Pastor Britt, all of our other elders, deacons, every one of you is a living stone who has a significant role to play in the building of the temple of God in whatever neighborhood you live in. I'm just letting the Holy Spirit sink that in your heart. Whew. And it's God's will for his temple to be built in neighborhoods all over the world, not just in Jerusalem. Well, in the summer of 1984, Western Hills Baptist Church, now called Together Church, they needed a senior pastor. 
and a member of their pulpit committee contacted me early in June, and he asked me if I was interested. And we began to have discussions, just him and I. And in those discussions, he was very transparent and honest with me. I was 29 years old. And he began to explain to me the condition of the church. He talked about the facilities of the church and their condition. And I can tell you this, it was a lot worse than what he told me. <laughs> he told me about the financial condition of the church. And when he told me about the financial condition of the church, I was wondering how in the world they're even going to be able to pay a senior pastor. He told me about the neighborhood around the church and the decline that the neighborhood experienced around the church. How it wasn't as safe a place as it used to be in Oklahoma City's history. I mean, he was just brutally honest. It's not the kind of sales pitch you would normally give to someone if you're really wanting them to come on board with your team. But he didn't want me to come into this position blind. He wanted me to come in because God called me to do it. In July, Debbie and I met with the pulpit committee, 1984. You know, we met with them at a local restaurant, and what struck us was their faith. We were just inspired and encouraged by their faith. Whether or not we were going to be their next senior pastor or not, we didn't know at that time. But boy, we were inspired by their faith. I mean, with all the setbacks, as I heard their history, they had three different senior pastors over a period of 10 years. With all the setbacks that they experienced, they could have just easily voted to disband and shut the doors and sell the building. Instead, they had faith that God was going to rebuild the church here, the local church here, and they had been praying and waiting on God just to provide the right man to be their senior pastor to lead them. Well, after our meeting with the pulpit committee, they, they met with their members and after much prayer, they decided to ask me to come and preach for them in view of a call to be their, their next pastor. Well, to be honest, when the chairman of that pulpit committee contacted me and told me that the church wanted me to come and preach in view of a call, I felt honored. I would feel honored by anyone who would even consider me for that kind of role. But I also felt like Zerubbabel must have felt like when God called him to rebuild the temple. I mean, I needed to know from God it, that he wanted me to step into this position. I mean, it wasn't going to be because of the money. Uh, what they told me they were going to pay me was $25,000 to be the senior pastor. Well, I was making $25,000 at First Baptist Church UConn as a student minister. And so it wasn't going to be the money. In fact, money's never been a factor for me ever. Had to be the call of God. And he knew that. And I appreciated him being so honest with me and really putting the burden on me to seek whether or not it was God's will for me to come or not. So I was just desperate. I mean, I was on my face searching for a word from the Lord. What should we do? Well, as Debbie and I prayed about their invitation and I began to just really search the word of God for direction, 
the Lord began to speak to me, and it was from this story that I just told you about Zerubbabel in the books of Haggai and Zechariah. That was the word the Lord used to tell me to come here and be the senior pastor. God told me he would give me his power. God told me that he would give me his plan. God told me he would give me his people to rebuild this church. And it's because of this word of the Lord that I accepted the call. It's because of this word from the Lord that I'm still here. And it's brought me to this day some 38 years later. Well, I can't tell you. I just want to brag on God a little bit. My favorite thing to do. You know, Zerubbabel's name was out of Babylon. Who would name their son that? My name is Jerry. And my name means Jehovah is exalted is what my name means. And uh, so I just want to brag on God a little bit at this point and just tell you how he fulfilled what he promised to do as far as his power is concerned. <laughs> First of all, I didn't face anything like what Zerubbabel faced, but we faced a lot of opposition to the rebuilding of this church, both spiritual and physical. And uh, during those times of discouragement God stood with me the Holy Spirit stood with me and as I would be on my face before him and it's still true to this day when I get on my face before him the Holy Spirit meets me there and he gives me his supernatural strength to continue at whatever God has called me to do it doesn't matter that's what the Holy Spirit does he gives you power he gives you power that's beyond your own power to endure difficult trials in my own family, difficult trials that were going on within the church in different seasons, the Holy Spirit gave me his power. And then there's those times where because I'm a human being, I would sin. Can't count the number of times that I've sinned against some individual in the church or sinned against the church itself by saying something inappropriate on Sunday mornings. Times where I sinned because I didn't know what the right thing to do in a situation and I led the wrong way. Oh, there's times I sinned against the church, times I sinned against my family, my wife, my children, other family members. And the Holy Spirit was faithful to give me his power and not quit because of my failures. You ever wanted to quit because of your failures? The Holy Spirit, he gave me his power. He also, I could tell you a lot more than that, not going to do that right now, but he also gave me his people to help me rebuild his church. I mean, there's too many stories to tell about the people God has used to help us this, on this rebuilding vision of the church. I don't have words. I don't have words to express my gratitude for Paul and Evelyn McKeith and, and Cecil and Shirley Werner. They, they've come alongside of me, our family, so many times stood with us and uh, they were here when I came and uh, I believe that Evelyn is the only surviving member of the 60 people 
that were here when I came. I think we ought to celebrate Evelyn for that, don't you? Uh, she says they helped raise me, and they did. They did. They helped raise me to be a pastor. And so, then there's this long list of people that God moved here to help us rebuild. And I always like to hear their stories because a lot of them were just weird. Like, why in the world would you come here to church? You passed 50 churches on your way here. And they, I don't know, God was just moving and we decided to come. And, and people came from other states. And that was the weirdest one. I mean, Scott and Renee Sanders came here originally from, I think, uh, Kansas and to move down here. And I could tell you others that God moved here from other states to be a part of us. It was just strange. They would hear about the vision to rebuild the church somehow and God would move them to join us. Greg and Kim Werner were not members of our church, but his uncle Cecil was a member when I first arrived. And Cecil asked Greg to help my family move from Yukon after we accepted the call. And Greg said, yes, can you imagine that? That he would volunteer and it wasn't even his church? Well, Greg and I talked that day, and I talked to him about the vision for the church, just a little bit, of rebuilding the church. And that conversation led to other conversations with Greg because he was all he was at that time I think working for OG&E and after he got off work uh, can you imagine Greg being a meter reader for uh, for OG&E can you imagine what that looked like huh I mean this guy goes flying through the neighborhoods reading those meters and he would get those meters read you know by 1 in the afternoon and one of the reasons he did it is because he wanted to be a servant to others and get his job done as quickly as possible. And so there was times where he would drop by and we would continue our discussions about rebuilding the church and the vision of the church. And God, God moved on their hearts, Greg and Kim's hearts, to unite with our vision to rebuild the church. I consider Greg and Kim to be the first fruits of new members that God used to fulfill the vision of rebuilding the church that weren't here when I came. For those of you who know Greg and Kim and their family, there could not have been a better family in this city for God to send to us to help us rebuild the church. Not a better family. And they didn't even have children. Wow. God did that. God did that. It's amazing to me that my first encounter with Greg and Kim Werner happened over two years before their oldest son, Brandon, was born. Who could have ever imagined that 38 years later, after God sent Greg and Kim Werner to help us rebuild a church, God would raise up their oldest son to be the next senior pastor? I mean, who else can write that kind of story but God? Besides Paul and Evelyn, Cecil and Shirley, and Greg and Kim, there are so many people that the Lord has used to help us rebuild the church. Some of these people are with the Lord now. A big portion of that original 60 is with the Lord. And some are here with us even this morning. And all I want to say to you is just thank you for obeying the Lord and coming here, no matter how long the season was. 
to help us rebuild the church. Thank you, thank you, thank you, and thank you, Jesus, for doing that. And then, I can't call everyone's name here <laughs> that's been a part of this, but certainly I must thank Ben and Linda Manus and Stephen Joyce, who are still here with us, ministering in the Lord. And I have to thank Tom and Kay Hill, Here's with us. I can't, I, I've got to thank, how about the Dellinger family? I mean, that family has served us in so many ways and helped us. It's, it continues to this day. Incredible. Obviously, the Perkins, Jonathan Darcel Small, my good friend Doug Miller. I can't call all of your names. Please don't be offended. I'm grateful for all of you. All of our current members, our current staff, our elders, deacons, and trustees, my extended family, and then most of all, could I have had two better partners to help me be a senior pastor than Debbie and Sandra? I hope you know how much of a miracle that is, that two women like them would be willing to say yes to my invitation to marry me. Incredible. And then my children, most of whom are here this morning, it's hard, 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 hard being the children of senior pastors. And they supported me while they were here and served in all kinds of different capacities. My oldest son, John, Josh, before we had what we have now as far as PowerPoint, he would sit back there Sunday after Sunday running a PowerPoint on one of those machines where you had to put the images up there for people to see. Bless his heart. You talk about being under a microscope when you're the oldest son. But all of them, they have all sacrificed so much and been such supporters to me and I'm just so grateful. So God provided the people, and then he's given me his plans to help me rebuild this church. And I must admit to you that one of the most difficult parts of this journey as a senior pastor has been discovering God's plans for rebuilding his church when you're the senior pastor. I think most senior pastors would tell you that. You trust in God's power, God sends you people, but what's his plan? For rebuilding the church. Unlike Zerubbabel, I did not have the exact blueprints that he had in the law of Moses for rebuilding the temple. I mean, he had it specified. This is how you're supposed to lead. This is what you're supposed to do. Here's my plans. They don't give us those kind of plans in seminary because they don't know them. It could be different for different local churches. And so you don't have, you don't have a course or courses on God's plans for growing the local church. You don't have that. As a result, I visited churches all over the country, and I read all kinds of books trying to find the right plan. Now, once again, the church is not a building in ruins that needs some capital improvements. The church's people have been saved from sin. How do you rebuild people whose lives have been ruined by sin? See, we're all broken people that need to be rebuilt. You understand that? We're all broken, need to be rebuilt. 
What's God's plan for the local church to help people rebuild their lives? Man, well, I knew that we were supposed to gather the church for worship and song prayer and preaching the word. That was pretty easy to know that. That was an easy part of the plan to discern. Beyond that, I was not sure what God's plan was for rebuilding his temple. I really didn't know. I was asking people to join us like I had a big plan, and I didn't have it. I just hoping they'd join by faith and trust me to work it out. And many of them did. I knew when it came to rebuilding people, I knew what had helped me. I knew what had helped me the most was I had personal relationships with Christians who loved me and shared life with me. Not just Sunday mornings or Wednesday nights, but life with me. Outside of this, you know, hearing the word of God preached and worshiping with others in services. That's what helped me the most grow in my love and my faith as a Christian. But here's the problem. I did not know how to lead a church to create that kind of culture, that kind of relational environment for discipleship, and make that kind of relational environment the main engine that drives a church and make that kind of culture available for anyone who joins the church that immediately could be connected into these loving relationships with people that were willing to take them on and share life with them. I didn't know how to do that. I knew that I'd been helped that way, but I did not know how to do that. You know, I knew the plan was right there in the scriptures and in the example of Jesus with his disciples, but it took me 27 years to discover how to reproduce what Jesus did with his disciples in a local church. I didn't know how to do this until 2010 is when I first started learning. Because we have discovered his plan, I'm so excited about the future of Together Church. I can't tell you how excited I am. People ask me, are you excited about, you know, I said, well, I really don't know what's next for me exactly. But I am excited for the future of this church, Together Church, because of the plan that it looked like I stumbled onto it, but ultimately it was the Lord leading me. I feel like I've spent the last 38 years working on the foundation of the church, is what I feel like. And at times, I'm sorry to say, that meant tearing down and starting over. I believe now that the right foundation has been laid. I'm confident that the right foundation has been laid. And I'm so excited for the future of Together Church. And I cannot be more at peace about who God has given us to lead us to build on this foundation that's been laid. It's that peace that I have that God has used to let me know that my work here as senior pastor on, the, on this foundation is now complete. And it's time to turn the leadership over to the next generation. As your senior pastor, God has been so faithful to fulfill the promise he'd made, made to me in 1984. He has faithfully provided me with his power in countless ways. He's faithfully sent people to help us. And he has faithfully given us his plan to rebuild his church. You know, I've often said this. If God's spirit did not live in me, you would want, not want to know me. I jokingly say to my, at times, I would have been a serial killer without the Spirit of God because I was such a bitter person. 
such a bitter young man before the Spirit of God arrested me and I became his slave. I'm so grateful that he changed me. Since 1984, if our church has been a blessing to you in some way, let me say to you, it's not because of Jerry Wells. It's because of the Holy Spirit of God. The Holy Spirit of God who has fulfilled the promises of God that he would give us. He would give us his power. He would give us his people. And he would give us his plan. I want to close this message this morning with this invitation from the Lord. I prayed about this for many hours this week. How do you want me to apply this, Lord? Holy Spirit, show me. How do you want me to apply this message? And here's what the Lord told me to say this morning. This invitation is for those of you who are at a place in your life where you feel that your life has become a wasteland. Where you're like Zerubbabel looking over the land of your life and what that land has become and how it's been ruined. And you look at the land of your life and you see it's become a wasteland. I'm confident that there's one or more people this morning in this building or listening online that feels that way. That your life has been ruined by sin. And your life is a wasteland. You feel like your life is in ruins either because of your sins or the mistakes that you've made. The decisions that you've made that were wrong decisions. You feel like your life is in ruin because of some dev devastating experiences that you've had in your life. Maybe it's been a divorce. Maybe it's been a death that you've experienced. but you feel like your life is in ruins. I want you to listen to this. This is from the Lord. You see, God wants you to be his personal temple. <laughs> Think about that. He wants you to be his personal temple, the temple of, the, of his spirit. And he wants to help you rebuild his temple. He wants to help you. He wants to give you his power. He wants to give you his plan. He wants to give you his people to help you rebuild his temple, which is you. I, <laughs> I was 17 when that hit me. And I thought, Lord, I need to be rebuilt. I need you to rebuild my life. My life is becoming a wasteland. It's, it's ruined by sin. And I need you. I need your power. I need your people. And I need your plan. And just like the Lord fulfilled his plan in my life, he will re rebuild yours. I mean, who could have thought? Who could have thought? Who could have ever dreamed that after what Sandra and I experienced in 2007, who could have dreamed? After we lost our marriages, we were in ruins. That God would put us together. 
And he would give us his power. And he would give us his people. And he would give us his plan. And we could rebuild. Do you understand that's only because of God that that can happen? But it can happen for you. If you feel like your life is in ruins, if you feel disappointed in yourself and in others, if you feel hopeless at times, if you feel like giving up, God has a plan. And he will give you what he gave to Zerubbabel, what he's given to me and many others who are here. If you'll just surrender your will, just surrender. Say, yeah, I want to be the temple of God's spirit. That's it. I want to be your temple from now on. That's what I want. If you agree to be God's temple, let me tell you something. When you say yes to God to be his temple, I want you to know that nothing will be able to stop the Holy Spirit and you from rebuilding his temple. Not any mountain can stand if you'll surrender to be his temple. So here's the invitation. If your life is a wasteland and it needs to be rebuilt, will you agree with God to be his temple? Just say, okay, God, I'm re- I, I give up. <laughs> you know, you're not, you're not becoming, you're not giving up your freedom. You're gaining freedom. Freedom over sin. Freedom over yourself and your selfish tendencies. When you become the temple of the Spirit of the living God. So I'm asking you this morning, if you feel the way that I've described, like your life is a wasteland, surrender yourself right now to be the temple of God. The first thing that you must do to become his temple is you must accept his son Jesus for the forgiveness of your sins. You must accept him as your Savior and Lord. There's no other way. It is the will of God for your life that you start right there. Just like Braden and Paige demonstrated this morning, you must start right there to become the temple of the Holy Spirit. Are you ready for that? Have you come to the end of yourself and you're just ready? You're so powerless, you just want God to take over. You want to be his temple. If you are, would you just bow your head in prayer with me right now? Like hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of people have done over these 38 years. And would you just say right now, Lord Jesus, I want to be your temple. I receive you as my personal Savior and Lord. Fill me with your spirit. Rebuild my life, God. Rebuild my life into what you want it to be. Would you do that right now? If you just did that, what you need to do is what Braden and Paige did this morning. You need to follow him in baptism as a profession of faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. I would encourage you to take one of those connect cards that's in the back of the chairs there. Fill it out. Connect with our leadership. Let us know you want to follow the Lord in baptism, just like they did this last week. If you're already the temple of the Holy Spirit, perhaps you're struggling, and one of the reasons you're struggling, you're not connected to the right church. I'm not saying we're the right church for everyone, but I want you to know, I can assure you, we've got a culture of love developing here that's really fertile soil to grow up and be rebuilt in your life. And so perhaps the Lord is leading you to come and join us in this vision for what God wants to do. Is he calling you to unite with our vision for the church and join our church family to become one of those living stones in our local church? 
Hey, come on. Come on, join us. Become a part of what God's doing here. Let the Spirit of the Lord work through His body to help you rebuild your life. We would be so happy to help you in that process. If that's what God is doing in you, what I would encourage you to do is connect with one of our leaders. Connect with Pastor Brandon, who we're going to pray over here in just a moment. Or one of our other leaders, Pastor Britton, say, hey, I believe the Lord's leading me to become a part of this church. You can also use one of those connect cards that's on the back of the chair and, and fill it out. Let us know that. And we'd be glad to visit with you about that. Well, the last thing I want to do this morning is pray over Pastor Brandon. Man, I love him like a son. He's a son in the faith. And I'm so excited about his leadership in this church. It's an honor to be able to pass the baton to such a godly man. It gives me the peace that I've needed in order to let this go. You know, Brandon has served this church as a leader in nearly every role of leadership since he was a child. <laughs> he started serving as a leader when he was 16 years old. And he served in every part of leadership in this church. No one knows this church better than him. And I'm so excited about him. And I was not surprised last Sunday when I received the report that the vote to call him as our next senior pastor was absolutely unanimous. Isn't that incredible? The Lord was just putting the capstone on saying, yeah, I told you it's the right time. There you go. There you go. It's the right time. So I'm going to ask Pastor Brandon and his Rachel to come right down here, if you would. And we're just going to have a prayer over him, appointing him to be the next senior pastor of our church. And I'm going to ask our elders and their wives to come. Sandra, would you come on up? I'm going to ask our deacons to come. After our elders, if your wife's here, bring her. Let's surround them. I'm going to ask our trustees to come. Here I go. I'm going to pray. Okay, guys, you guys agree with me as you always do when I pray the will of God. Okay, and I'll try to pray the will of God for us, all right? Here we go. <laughs> Lord, you're so incredible. I mean, who can think up your plans? That when Greg and Kim joined here before Brandon was even a thought in their mind, Lord, it was your plan for him to be the next senior pastor of this church succeeding me. Thank you, Lord, for revealing your plan to our church. We'd be lost without the leadership of your Holy Spirit. Thank you for confirming, Lord, your plan through the vote of the people. Now, Lord, I know what he's going to face. 
But there's other things I don't know. But I know this. Lord, he needs your power. So right now we pray for that anointing of the Spirit, the power of the Spirit that he needs when he's discouraged, when he feels like giving up, when he fails. Lord, bless him. Bless him and Lord, help him stir up the gifts that are within him already. To use those gifts to minister under the control, the power of your Holy Spirit. Let it be done, Lord. Let it be done in Brandon. Give him, Lord, give him the people. Send him people that will unite with him in the vision of building your church, your local church here. And not only here, Lord, you've given him a vision for planting together churches all over Oklahoma. I pray, God, that you'll send them the people and the resources that go along with that to fulfill the visions that you put in his heart as a senior pastor. Then, Lord, I pray for the specific plans. Thank you, Lord, for building this foundation. But there's things that need to be built on this foundation that he doesn't know yet. I pray for your plans to be revealed to him, your will to be revealed to him, and what he should do. And Lord, now, by the power of your Spirit, I just transfer to him. Whatever anointing you've put on me, let it be on him. Upon his wife, Rachel. Lord, we commission him to be the senior pastor of this church in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name we pray. And all the people said, Amen. Amen. Let's give the Lord a hand. Would you do that? Now, Brandon's going to come and just give you a few words of direction here in just a moment. But before he does that, I want to give you my last words as senior pastor. Church, here it is. Here's my last words. I want you to always remember these words. I want them to be in your heart. And when you're discouraged and you don't feel like you can go on, I want you to remember these words. It's not by might nor by power, but by his spirit. Thus saith the Lord of hosts. Amen.